The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. Hi, I'm Daniel Roth, LinkedIn's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome to This Is Working. On this show, we talk to leaders who have a significant impact on how we work and how we live. Today, we're going deep on video games. The game industry is colossal and just keeps growing. In 2021, total video game revenue exceeded $214 billion, and it's expected to grow another 50% by 2026. To understand the scale of those numbers, consider this. The movie business barely reaches $100 billion in total. And music streaming, that's a comparative blip at $25 billion a year. My guest for this episode, Laura Miele, is the COO of Electronic Arts, the company behind games like Madden, FIFA, and The Sims. Laura's worked her way up the ranks at EA over the past 26 years. She led the company's partnership with Disney's Lucasfilm and later served as EA's chief studio officer. Laura is now one year into her tenure, which, as she said, started as a wartime role, but has since shifted. To start off, I asked her what her experience as COO has been like. Here's our conversation. It's been um, it's been an incredible year. It's gone by very fast, by the way. Um, amazing how one year can go by. It's been a really fun experience because I've held so many different roles within electronic arts, from running our studios to running marketing, our publishing teams, commercial teams. And one of the greatest gifts of being the COO of Electronic Arts today is that I get to help connect these teams, integrate these teams to operate an optimal place for our gamers. And so it's been it's been really fun. And I, and I feel like I have empathy for our leaders within the company because I have um, oftentimes have sat in their positions and I've been able to um, help break down barriers, create good integration. As you know, our industry is changing really fast. And so for us to streamline, connect as a company, and come together as we forge ahead for a whole a new future, really. Um, there's a lot of a lot of changes going on, a lot of growth ahead of us, and a lot of change we have to drive. So we need to be able to connect, have a, a strong strategic plan, and, and an operating um, execution plan to go forward. And I just am in a really good position and have had good experiences to be the person to do that. So talk to me about that idea of having empathy for other leaders. How does that uh, show itself in meetings or when you're working with, with other leaders? Such a, such a great question. It's a, very, it's a personal question for me because with my strength and um, ability to be a human leader and have empathy, I'm also one of my strong leadership pillars is that I have this deep belief in human potential. And so I also love to push our teams and ourselves to be the best versions of ourselves possible. Our vision for our studio organization is to be the ultimate destination to make the best games of your career at Electronic Arts. And I really passionately believe that. So I work hard to push us to be the best that we can possibly be and, and for have people that on our teams that are here under our leadership to feel like, gosh, I did career-defining work there. So empathy, understanding where they're coming from while also pushing um, our teams is kind of the magic combination for me. It's, it's worked well for me um, at, at a scaled leadership level. I've seen you talk about yourself as being a wartime leader in during the pandemic. You managed to still release 13 titles even while people were working from home and figuring out how to make sense of this new world of work. As the pandemic recedes, as we figure out how to work in this new normal, I'm curious how you have changed how you lead. Yes, well, I, I would say that given all of the 
macroeconomic and the dynamics in the world, I would say that we're still in uncertain times. And I think that the gaming industry prepared me incredibly well. I've been at Electronic Arts for 26 years and in the gaming industry for 26 years. And given all of the change and all of the fast innovation that happens in this industry, it has prepared me very well to live in chaos and to um, lead teams through change and bring stability and direction to our team. So yes, the pandemic was certainly an incredibly unusual time and I definitely felt like a wartime leader, but I would say that today there are different challenges different changes, different innovation happening, but there, it's still unknown. And I thrive in that. I, I really love the um, surprise innovation and possibility of um, our future in gaming. And I, I said that just being here in 26 years, it has prepared me for that. You know, I, you could go back 20 years ago and you would think, oh, wow, this is hard. This is changing. This is fast. This feels really innovative. You know, where people are we're going online, bringing our games um, to, you know, to broad communities to today. Um, still a lot of change ahead, a lot of things happening in the macro world around us, and then happening innovation and gaming in general. It's, it's a really good time to lead. And um, and again, I think that being in gaming my entire career has prepared me really well <laughs> to lead us into the future. I would think that bringing order out of chaos or into chaos or reducing the chaos as part of the role as being COO, do you think that chaos is just part of how the gaming industry has to work? Is that what makes it special? Is that part of the secret sauce of gaming? Oh, gosh. No, I, I, mean, I think it's, I think change and I think chaos is probably defined by different people. Um, but I think that change, innovation, speed at which we move is um, incredibly energizing and exciting. And I think that you, you need to sign up for that and embrace that and know that that's what you're getting when you're in the games business. And so I, um, and again, whether people perceive it as chaos and they need leaders to help bring order to that or not, it just depends on how someone wants to receive that circumstance in that situation. But um, again, a lot of change, a lot of innovation and, and very fast speed um, at which this industry moves. Um, and not to mention entertainment. I mean, we, I really believe that gaming is the future of entertainment. It is the future of social connection. And so we have to be prepared for that and, and be ahead of that and, um, and, and put ourselves in position and our employees in position to show up with the best experiences for our players. Hmm. Well, you've talked in the past about uh, the gaming has been at the forefront of both the metaverse and social media. These were things that the gaming industry helped create. And now you're seeing big tech companies start to define what the metaverse is. I don't think people think about gaming companies as being social media companies. So as you look at now, do you want to try to bring some of that back? Should EA be the leader in the metaverse? How do you think the gaming industry or EA in particular needs to play a role in defining what the next, uh, what, what the metaverse looks like or what the future of media looks like? Yeah. Oh gosh. Love that. I, I think and I, in many ways, I think the gaming industry already sits in that leadership position to lead where um, the future of entertainment is going. And I think it depends on how you define the metaverse. The metaverse is this incredible intersection of many idealistic things. We see it as a 3D spatial representation of the worlds that we create, of creation um, for players to be have their hands on creation and, um, and have agency over their experiences. Um, we also um, know that through, those, through that mechanism and through that framework, people will connect socially. And of course, there's commerce involved. And we, candidly, we, we're already doing that in, in gaming. And so gaming is um, miles ahead as an industry, as an entertainment mechanism and, and a platform than other companies. 
And when I think about the, the position electronic arts is in, when I consider our sports franchises, our sports universes that we've created, our Sims universe, which is incredible, um, something like Apex, Battlefield, we have these incredible franchises and brands that can bring people together and how we stitch that together and how we bring that experience for players and show up for players, um, you know, is something that I'm incredibly optimistic and, and motivated by. The way I've seen you frame it before, though, is the idea of reclaiming things that started in gaming. Do you feel it is necessary for, while there might be incredible innovations going on, I'm not sure that the world thinks about the gaming industry as being the leader in defining how this works. It works, the metaverse or uh, social discussions work in a certain way within gaming, but then it kind of leaves and it, and it goes into the broader the, the broader world and it, it, people see this as you know a certain way that gaming operates, but gaming's over here and the rest of the world is over here. Is there a future where gaming is defining how all of these new media work? Yes, I, I believe yes, and I believe it is in, in a lot of ways. And those that are perhaps hesitating, we had it in the opening video, right? I mean, just the pure size today of gaming um, out, outpaces movies and, and music today. And I, and I think, I'm not sure people are fully caught up to that um, idea about just the size and impact. And, and that, that's just revenue. When you think about how we measure it and what we value um, most is time. So the time spent in our experiences and the time spent on our platforms is extraordinary. Um, last year, we had, um, we had 4 billion hours of FIFA gameplay um, played. Um, just in this past year. And then we had an additional close to 2 billion hours of players watching gameplay. So the engagement model and the engagement mechanism that gaming and interactive entertainment has um, currently today is an unbelievable foundation for the future. And it's enviable by any linear media entertainment company um, in, in the world. So yes, and I, I believe it is the future and I believe it's already here in many ways. And when we talk about reclaiming or when we talk about um, the the responsibility that we have, I, I think interactive entertainment can not only shape entertainment, but I think it will also help shape societies and cultures. It's, it's really important for us to show up in the most responsible, inclusive way we can. When you think about the immersion that you have in interactive entertainment, you are in these worlds that game developers create. You play and interact with other characters. You are characters um, that we create. And that's such, such a different mechanism and such a different immersion than a linear passive entertainment that you um, sit back and, and take in. So I, I believe that as an industry, and certainly Electronic Arts is leading the way here, um, that we need to be um, responsible and, um, and, and, and be inclusive and, and bring equity to the world and the entertainment we create, um, because we can shape how people see themselves and see the world and how, you know, um, and how people interact with each other. There is a question coming in from John, who's an operations manager in the Army, who's based in Italy, who says, love the forward-leaning, innovative, people-centric organizational culture of EA. How does EA support transitioning military service members into the workforce? Is that an area of focus for you? Oh, I love, love that question. Um, yes, we, we, have, we have some very strong um, internship and recruiting programs. Um, we are primarily, we really focus a lot on our STEAM, on tech and um, and, uh, and, and science in the um, in our recruiting and, and, and internship pro uh, process. We certainly invite and welcome uh, military members. We spend a lot of time with colleges and universities. So we're, we're very we're quite inclusive about the, the, the net that we cast to bring um, the most talented um, team people in. I, I would say that 
you know, as we recruit, um, what, what is most important for us is clearly skills and capabilities. And that's something that, you know, a lot of people have. The passion and people that come into our um, and into our company, the passion and, and the people that love to love things and people that feel strongly and are excited and motivated by games is incredibly important as we bring people in and that they affect our culture. So um, I, I would say that we bring people in and have programs well-established for internship programs to help people get a good start. And, um, and I would say, you know, please, you know, throw your, throw your resume in, um, please, please apply and connect with us because um, people that care enough to be on a LinkedIn podcast about gaming are people that we want in our company that care about games. How do you find out if they're passionate about gaming? Is that, is there a certain question that you ask every interview? Um, well, I think, you know, we having a conversation with someone and, uh, and, and we, we do spend a lot of time talking to people to understand what their purpose is, their values, um, what, why they're interested in coming to our company. And it comes, it comes through, it, it, it comes through on the personal engagement, um, with in our, and through our process for sure. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back more with EA's Laura Miele. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the LinkedIn Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Every time I see Laura describe somewhere, the words most powerful woman in gaming are used. I asked her how and if those words resonate with her. Here's Laura. Oh gosh, that's a, a very interesting question, actually. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't think of myself that way, um, honestly. I, um, the, the more responsibility that I get and the more privilege I have to have a voice, the more humble I become. And so it is, um, it is an incredibly... Um, again, privileged place to be, to have a voice, to address our industry, to lead the tens of thousands of people that we have at Electronic Arts. And I find humility in that. And I am a servant leader. So, um, you know, showing up for our employees and our talent and our players and the industry is something that I, I am very passionate about. I take seriously, but I do not walk through my life thinking I am the most powerful woman in gaming. <laughs> that, that is not, that is not something that I, um, that I embrace or that I take very seriously. I, I take the I take the 
privilege and the position um, as an honor, and um, and and I have a big responsibility around that. Well, one of the things you did, I believe, this was when you were the studio's chief, is to uh, think about looking at at how people are represented, how different groups are represented within games. And I think one of your inspirations was the Gina Davis Foundation. Can you talk a little bit about the audits that you're doing and how you work with developers on that? Yes, we. Uh, I started a, an employee resource group called the Women's Ultimate Team at EA about six years ago. It was before I was even um, running the studios. And I loved the work that the Gina Davis Foundation was doing around um, taking inventory um, around dialogue and characters and and laying that out and holding the mirror up for studios and for entertainment. And I, and I thought that I, I knew that we could do that as well. So we created what's called the inclusion framework. And it's just that it's a framework for us to identify how many lines of dialogue um, are spread across, um, you know, equitable characters and representation in our games. Um, what characters are lead characters, um, the, the roles that they play, the, you know, protagonist, antagonist and things. And so we have this really great framework and it's really an audit um, for our game developers and it's a tool for them. And I believe so much in the people that we have at this company um, that they, if, if they know um, that they are, if it's known about how they're measuring the, the lines of dialogue and the characters that they're representing, that they will make the choices um, that they deem appropriate for their game, for their audience, and for the world. And I, so, so it was something that has been created that's not about a directive and it's not about quotas or numbers. It's about being intentional. It's about being intentional about the content and the entertainment that our game teams are putting out in the world. And um, it's been highly effective for us. Um, and we are also opening up these some of these capabilities and some of this and, and we have technology as well around accessibility and we did a what's called a, the patent pledge about a year ago where we opened up um, the use of this technology um, for all game developers so we're fiercely competitive as an industry and I'm fiercely competitive as a human being um, but the idea about making um, the industry um, better in this area is was is most important um, to us and, and to me so we offered up all of these tech capabilities um, for any game developer at no charge to use um, on behalf of the industry. And have you seen people using it? That's a great question. We've, we have seen some engagement, yes. Um, and it's, and we need to keep helping encourage people to, to use some of the technology that we have. Yep. One of the interesting things I think about it is that you're not, as you mentioned, you're not setting quotas. It really is about reflecting back. Does that work? Just saying, yes. hey, here are the numbers? Yes. We're, I mean, I, we are... We're leading the way in women's teams in our sports games. We're leading the way in um, character representation. I mean, we we and, and as a company, we started this. I think even back in two thousand seven, we had same sex relations in our Bioware games. To our Sims games, are um, incredibly in touch with our players and the represent and representing our players in the world that um, we we put these games out. So I find us to be making moves that perhaps a directive or a quota maybe would even have gotten the, the company to. So it's, it's really about putting these frameworks in the hands of people with deep values and principles around equity and inclusion and see what they, what they do. And it's, you know, they, they will always surprise you in a good way. You've talked a lot about uh, the, how you think about employees at EA. Can you speak a little bit about how the gaming industry is transforming in terms of how it cares for employees? It's traditionally a grind culture. How do you think about that grind culture? Well, um, it's well, it's not something that we, um, you know, support or think is is good. Um, I think that getting through the pandemic, um, we were 
we really had to show up in the most human way possible for our employees and truly meet them where they are. And I would say as we're coming out of um, into a new work environment and a new work combination, we've really have engaged with our leaders, managers in different site locations. We have over 40 offices around the world, and they all have a different point of view about what is best for them and their teams about how they're working, and we're accommodating that. So I think it's really about meeting our employees where they are and developing the best frameworks and, and programs and work environments for them to succeed and, and thrive. So the pandemic was a great forcing function for us to um, accelerate that. And, um, and I would say that we're, we're carefully walking through um, the, into this next phase um, about what is optimal. I mean, we have, we have engineers who you know, are, are more productive at home because they're able to be more focused and isolated from being in office. And we have artists and designers and, and creative people who love being in the office and get energy from each other. So it is something that we have to adapt and accommodate um, to how to help our employees thrive. And as I said earlier, we want them to do career defining work at Electronic Arts. And so we will, we're adapting to help set up that environment and that culture. If you are looking back in your long career at EA, what's the difference between how EA operates now in terms of how it deals with employees versus what it was like when you first started? Yeah, I mean, the industry was super young when I first started 26 years ago. Um, and so I would say today, um, we you know, we have a, a, a very principled CEO with deep values and Andrew Wilson. Um, I grew up in the company as well. And so I have, as I said earlier, I have deep empathy for our employees and what they go through. And I think that our culture at Electronic Arts reflects that more than it perhaps did 26 years ago. And, you know, 26 years ago, you had leaders that were just getting started um, in their lives and their careers, and they were leading companies and establishing culture. The industry was super young, and you get young leaders and young mindsets when that happens. And so I think that we've matured as an industry, and um, and there's no question. I mean, we we are about our people and our talent and creativity, and um, there is it is never lost on me a single day that I come in um, to work that. It is our people and their creativity and inspiring them, informing them, providing context for them to help them thrive is job one. And I, and I don't know, again, in a young industry, maturity-wise, 26 years ago, if that was um, the orientation. Laura, I'd love to always conclude with career advice. What sort of uh, advice do you give if someone comes to you and says, how do I get ahead in the world? Or how do I get ahead in EA? What's the advice you normally give? Oh, gosh, I would say I love the... I love the combination of being <clears throat> fearless, be fearless, jump in and take on responsibilities and roles that you that may not appear to be something that you're going to gain um, something from. You will find experience learning in the most unlikely places. So be fearless and love to love things. Just be passionate about what you're doing. Show up and be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be in the role that you have. And you will be amazed at what you learn and the and how you show up for other people um, in, around you. Um, you know, to be confident. I'm going to take this on. I don't know I'm going to learn. And I'm really excited and passionate about it. Is there a time where you felt like you have been fearless in your career and it's helped you? Yes, I, I have at many points of my career. <laughs> So I've taken on things that I didn't understand or that I wasn't, 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 wasn't as intuitive to me. I ran one of the more defining areas was um, when I was running data and analytics. And I changed all of our forecasting. It was a very unlikely role for me. Um, and I did not know a lot about it, but I knew how important it was to the company. And I wanted us to succeed and I wanted us to get better. Um, and I learned a tremendous amount about the 
industry, about games, about players, about myself as a leader. And it really set the set the foundation for me to take on things like running our studio organization. Um, and so I and I, I I took on the studio responsibility because I deeply love our developers and creators, and I wanted to be the best leader for them and and remove barriers and blocks. And and I and I entered into it not knowing I, I can't sit at someone's desk and code or create art like they do. Um, I have deep respect for them, um, but I but I know that I can help. Um, bring the best tools, the best technology, help remove blocks and barriers as much as I possibly can for, so they can achieve their greatest human potential. Just going back to when you were doing the uh, data forecasting for EA, I mean, that I would assume, I'm just putting my, myself in your shoes, I would be like, this is not my area. I don't know these other people who know numbers way better than I do. What gave you the confidence to say, I can do this? Well, I was um, in marketing and um, business at the time. So as a, I was probably my second or third sort of uh, role and I had started in studio. So I was um, started a studio called Westwood Studios that was um, purchased by Electronic Arts. We, we created the Command and Conquer um, series. And so starting in studios was a great gift for me in gaming. Um, I learned through the eyes of developers. I learned um, one of my first responsibilities was Westwood Online. So I was very connected to players. And so then I moved into marketing roles and um, EA acquired Westwood and I moved up to headquarters and anything can impact a forecast. Anything can impact, you know, player demand, the quality of the game. And so the idea that I could sit at that center and understand um, the dynamics of product strategy to a mar- go to market strategy to a commercial outcome was fascinating to me. And, um, and no, and I did not know um, uh, anything about analytics or modeling, but I hired really great people. <clears throat> I hired a chief economist um, who was, he was the chief economist at Nissan, brought him in. And I love build, I love bringing super smart people together and helping raise the IQ of a company and helping us be, helping us be smarter about where we're going. And it's, you, you trip and fall, you do. But if you have a learning mindset, you you allow yourself to learn, make a mistake. It's okay. We move on. We make progress as long as you're three steps ahead, one step back once in a while, and you're just you're making progress. You feel like you're having an impact. That was Laura Miele, COO of Electronic Arts. Are you on a quest for more content about today's leaders? Make sure to check out my newsletter on LinkedIn. It's also called This Is Working. Okay, a few takeaways from me from this interview. Number one, I found it super interesting to see Laura light up when we started talking about what she had learned from the Gina Davis Foundation when it comes to inclusion in games. Similar to the foundation, Laura has been using data to show developers how often different characters are appearing and how much they're speaking, and then she's made those tools open to everyone. That's a great way to think about inclusivity. And the way she talked about the care and feeding of EA employees, that's new in an industry known for churning through workers. So what were your takeaways? Let me know by using the hashtag, this is working. Please remember to rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening app and tell friends or colleagues. It really helps a lot to get the show heard and seen. This is Working is produced by Sarah Storm with help from Stephen Valdivia, Elias Avalos, Taisha Henry, Victoria Taylor, and Candace Weiner. Joe DeGiorgi mixes our show. Courtney Coop is head of original programming. Dave Pond is head of production. I'm Dan Roth, LinkedIn's editor-in-chief. Stay strong. See you soon.